stand with me today for the reading of God's word. This is the word of God, Psalm 80. And it says, please listen, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph's descendants like a flock. O God, enthroned above the cherubim, display your radiant glory to Ephraim, to Benjamin, to Manasseh. Show us your mighty power. Come to rescue us. Turn us again to yourself, O God. Make your face shine down upon us. Only then will we be saved. O Lord God of heaven's armies, how long will you be angry with our prayers? You have fed us with sorrow and made us drink tears by the bucketful. You have made us the scorn of neighboring nations. Our enemies treat us as a joke. Turn us again to yourself, O God of heaven's armies. Make your face shine down upon us. Only then will we be saved. You broke us from Egypt like a grapevine. You drove away the pagan nations and transplanted us into your land. You cleared the ground for us and we took root and filled the land. Our shade covered the mountains. Our branches covered the mighty cedars. We spread our branches west to the Mediterranean Sea. Our shoots spread east to the Euphrates River. But now, why have you broken down our walls? so that all who pass by may steal our fruit. The wild boar from the forest devours it, and the wild animals feed on it. Come back, we beg you, O God of heaven's armies. Look down from heaven and see our plight. Take care of this grapevine that you yourself have planted, the sun that you have raised for yourself, for we are chopped up and burned by our enemies. May they perish at the sight of your frown. Strengthen the man you love, the son of your choice. Then we will never abandon you again. Revive us so we can call on your name once more. Turn us again to yourself, O Lord, God of heaven's armies. Make your face shine down upon us. Only then will we be saved. I'm going to ask if someone in your house church would read out loud for everyone. Acts 5, 11 through Acts 5, 17. Acts 5, 11 through Acts 5, 17. That's where we're going to be hanging out today. There's going to be a timer that comes up. And you can go ahead and hit pause once that comes up. And I'm just going to ask if someone would just read Acts 5, 11 through 17 out loud. And then take some time to praise the Lord for who he is. And would you pray together before we come back uh, together to take a closer look at this text. So read that passage, Acts 5, 11 through 17. Praise the Lord, pray, and then we're going to come back together. Let's do that right now. Hey, my name is Pastor Jed, and I am so thankful to get to worship and follow our Lord Jesus alongside you and your house church today. If this is your first time joining us, your first time being part of a house church, I want to say welcome. We've been going through the book of Acts, looking at the early church. Jesus has ascended into heaven. The Holy Spirit comes. Salvation comes in the name of Jesus and Jesus alone. And the church is growing. And I hope that you're excited as you're seeing this. 
I don't know how these verses hit you today as, as we read them out loud in your house church, but I pray that there would be a collective pause as we came to verse 14. It says this, more and more believers in the Lord were added to their number, crowds of both men and women. And I want to just stop right there and ask this community of believers, you, that's you listening to this right now. Is this what we desire to see? What if God allowed you to see or even be part of something like this? Do we really want revival to come to our community? Our answer as followers of Jesus should be a united yes. Family, this should be the very front and center thing on our hearts and minds. Our greatest desire should be to witness the Holy Spirit move in the hearts and lives of his people, the body, and then to draw new souls and to hear and respond to the message of the gospel. This should be front and center on our hearts and in our minds. Family, it's revival. Boiled down to its most simple definition, it's the return to life from death. It's something that once was dead. Now it has life. What could be more important? What, what else could compete with this? When we hear verse 14 that says, More and more believers in the Lord were added to their number. Crowds of both men and women. Shouldn't this make us so excited? Shouldn't this, shouldn't this create just a, a yearn inside of us to experience this as followers of Christ? Shouldn't that just fill us with compassion to see all those who are around us, all those who are lost, become saved? Shouldn't it just compel us to share what has been given to us? And I want to ask you today, how bad do you really want it? How can we witness and tell others about Jesus and if Jesus isn't the first in our lives or if our own hearts are, are not right with God? Family, it must start right here in us. 1 Peter 4, 17 says, For the time has come for judgment, and it must begin with God's household. That means it starts right here first, right here with us, in his body, in his church. That's where he is going to start. Family, we must let the Holy Spirit drive out every doubt, every doubt, every selfish motive, every rebellious desire, every act, every, every, everything in us that doesn't look like him. And to create a clean heart and right spirit in each one of us so that we can begin to intercede for those who don't know who Jesus is and that those who desperately need him. How much are we willing to sacrifice in order for the kingdom of God to be shown right here on earth? How much of our own desires are we willing to forego in order for God's will to be made known, not ours? Family, God can bring revival whenever and wherever he wants, but he also uses his people to prepare the way through prayer and fasting and I want to ask you again, how bad do you want it? Is revival the thing that you are just praying for, for, for more and more, more and more of God? How much time are you spending on your knees before God begging for just one more person that won't spend their eternity in the pit of hell? Family, as we begin praying for more and more, as that becomes our prayer. The Holy Spirit will begin to convict us of the sin in our lives. 
He'll begin to point out the things in our lives that need to change. The things in our lives that, that we carry around that don't look like him. The things in our lives that we hold on to. The things in our lives that we put in his place that are not him. And I asked you the question last week, what is it? What is it that he is showing you? What is it that he is asking you to trust him with today? How are you doing with it? Are you listening? Are you following in obedience? Have you turned away from him or have you turned back to him? Maybe you walked away from last week and you didn't take any action because maybe you didn't like what you heard. or Maybe you didn't like what he showed you. And maybe your response was, there's no way that I'm giving that up. There's no way that I can, that I can uh, part with that. Or there's no way that I would hand that over or share that thing. What is it? What is it that you need to trust him with? Or maybe you walked away from last week and you didn't take any action because you didn't hear anything specific. I want to ask you, how much time are you actually spending with him? Be honest today. Is your lack of obedience tied to your inability to listen? I've heard people say over the years, well, I just don't ever hear anything when I read the Bible or when I pray, so I'm not sure what to do. Can I just encourage you today, if that's you, if that's where you're living, would you spend time with him? Stay close to him. Keep reading his word. Keep pursuing him. Go before him and seek what he wants. Seek his will. Let that psalm that we started out with today, Psalm 80, let that that become part of your prayer. Did you catch what the author said? It says, revive us so we can call on your name once more. Revive us so that we can trust you. Turn us again to yourself, O Lord God of heaven's armies. Make your face shine down upon us. Only then we will be saved. Would you make that sound personal today? God, revive me so that I can call on your name once more, so that I can trust you. Turn me to yourself, O Lord God of heaven's armies. Make your face shine down upon me. Only then I will be saved. Would you start praying that prayer? Spend time with him. Would you, would you spend time in his word? And would you watch what happens? When we have this desire, when we begin praying for revival like this, what happens is, is he exposes these things in our lives. The Holy Spirit brings us into agreement with the desires of the Father to reach the loss through us. Wow, don't rush past that today. The Holy Spirit brings us into agreement with the desires of the Father to work through us to those who are lost all around us. That's what we get to be part of, family. Do not miss that today. The God of the universe, the Holy Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit dwelling in perfect unity, and we get invited into that. That should just captivate you right now, wherever you are, as you hear that. We get invited into that perfect fellowship. But here's the problem. Far too often, far too many of us live lives with nothing on our minds but our own desires and the ways of the world. We get so caught up. We dwell upon the things that one day will be worthless and, and meaningless and will we'll, we'll go away. Instead of focusing on the things that are eternal, the people who are before us, the, the lives that are before us, the, the souls that we'll spend in eternity somewhere. And we get fixated on the world. We quickly forget about the goodness, the mercy, the 
grace of our Lord who pours out his blessings on us continually, day after day, the way that he provides, day after day, the, the blessings that he pours out, day after day, the grace that he just showers us with. And we miss out on that because we get so fixated on worldly things. And it's hard for us to to see or even value the beauty and the gift of what true life is. And we're blind to the reality that we have an enemy. Jesus says in John 10, 10, I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. And to the person who doesn't know that they are lost or who is just walking through life numb to the reality that they are spiritually dead. Physically, they might have breath. Physically, uh, they might have a place that they call home. They might have food. They might have family. They might have a good job. They might have everything together. And this verse, when they read this, that he came to give them life, it could be seen as just a nice bonus. Okay, great. But that's not the whole verse. John 10, 10 starts with this. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. And when your eyes are open to the reality that we have an enemy whose number one agenda, in fact, his only mission is to steal, to kill, and destroy your life, to do whatever he can do to separate you, to get your mind, to distract you from a holy God, that you are so loved by a holy God that he gave his one and only son, Jesus. If he can get your mind off that, if he can get your mind off that you are going to spend your eternity in one of two places, that is his mission. That is his agenda. And then you hear the words of Jesus, I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Then you see how much this God loves you, that he didn't even hold back his one and only son, Jesus, to save you. So many people just walk around dead, lifeless. Ephesians 2.1 says, You were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. The message paraphrase says it this way, You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief, then exhaled disobedience. Wow. But it says, But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much. That even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Do not miss that. You were dead. But God, so rich in mercy, look at what he's done for you. God, revive us so that we can call on your name once more. Revive us, Lord. Turn us again to yourself. Oh, Lord God of heaven's armies, make your face shine down upon us. God, wake us up. Stir a desire in our hearts to see more and more come to know you and to experience you. God, stir the hearts of many to turn back to you. God, revive us. And I want to ask you again today, how bad do you want it? How much does the eternity of loved ones matter to you? How much does it matter to you? The family member, that that best friend, that coworker, that neighbor, how much do they matter to you? How long will you keep begging God for them? I came across these statistics about Gen Z. I told you last week I was going to share some statistics with you. And I came across these, and I was just blown away. I was, it brought me to tears, honestly, when I, when I read this. Gen Z, this is just generation born between 1997 and 2012. They're roughly 70 million in size. They were the most diverse generation in the U.S. history until Generation Alpha. That's the, the newest generation. But Gen Zers are, are 
Gen Zoomers, as they're referred to, are the true digital natives born into the era of Wi-Fi, Google, and social media. Gen Z is the least religious generation until Generation Alpha. About one-third of Gen Z have no religion. One-third have no religion. Family, I need you to see that atheism is on the rise in this generation. And only 4% of Gen Z have a biblical worldview. 4%. According to Barner Research, the percentage of Gen Z that identifies as atheists is double that of U.S. adult population. Double. More than one-third of Gen Z, 37%, believes it is not possible to know for sure if God is real compared to 32% of all adults. 37% of Gen Z believes that it is not possible to know for sure if God is real. This newest generation, Generation Alpha, uh, they were the ones who were born after 2010, and they will be the first generation to live entirely in the 21st century. The members of Generation Alpha have, have been featured on the Internet their entire lives. Think about it, from, from gender reveal parties at their birth, uh, thrown by their parents, to their own personal YouTube channels, to TikTok videos they make during the pandemic. Family, this is a generation that is up and coming, and they're uh, being studied, and they're, they're um, having things just uh, looked at and evaluated on their lives because uh, they're so intriguing. Because most of alphas are uh, the offspring of millennials, they are also more likely to be from non-traditional households. And that, that is huge because remember we said it starts right here in our hearts and goes into our homes, into our neighborhoods, into our communities. And so if they're coming from non-traditional households, they are going to look different. So why do I share all this? Family, Generation Alpha is growing up in a culture where the church is much less of a priority than it was for pre previous generations. And this is huge. The way they think, the way they act, the way that they vote, everything. This is huge. The author of a book uh, called Meet Generation Z, he writes this, uh, doing a study on them. He says, the most defining mark of members of Generation Z in terms of their spiritual lives is their spiritual illiteracy. They do not know what the Bible says. They do not know the basics of Christian belief or theology. This knowledge gap is a result of a massive cultural value shift from the sacred to the secular. And it has led to increasing numbers of students abandoning their faith and losing interest in the church. And family, if this is Gen Z, one has to wonder what Generation Alpha will respond, how they will respond. Family, does this not break your heart to hear these statistics? What we read in the text today from Acts 5.14, what you read out loud in your house, church, it says, yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord. Crowds of both men and women is such a contrast to what we are living today. That more and more, generation after generation, more and more actually are turning from the Lord. Family, our prayers should be, Lord, revive us. If he could do it then, he can surely do it now. If he desired it then, you know that he desires it now. No longer can we just be content just watching generation after generation turning from the Lord. At what point are we going to say, Lord, revive us? The trend we are seeing, or worse yet, the trend that we are living is only going down and down. Generation after generation, it's, it's getting worse that more and more are turning from the Lord. 
Revive us so that we can call on your name once more, Lord. So what do we do? What can we do? Family, remember, it has to start right here in our hearts. It goes into our homes, into our neighborhoods, and beyond. That's where it has to start. And one of the opportunities that we have that God has been so gracious to give us is the number of children, this this alpha generation that's right here in our midst, that we actually have the opportunity to pour into them, that we actually have the opportunity to tell them about Jesus. And we don't have to go searching. We don't have to advertise. We don't have to to go out and run all these these programs, that they are right here in our families, that they are right here in our homes, and that they are right here and around our tables, and we get to tell them about Jesus. Amen. Church, wake up. Families, wake up. Parents, wake up. 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says, For I pass on to you what I receive from the Lord himself. He's talking about the Lord's Supper. I want you to see, look what is happening in homes. The vision is not to just take this meal together, this meal that we have before us. It's not to just take it together and just just stop here. But family, it's to pass it along to the next generation that they will not only participate in it, but they will be leading it to their kids and their grandkids one day and, and for generations to come. That they will know that Jesus said, for every time that you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. They will know because it was passed along to them and that they will proclaim it for themselves. Amen. That's the vision, that it wouldn't stop here with us, that it wouldn't stop right here in your house, church, but it would just go out, and it would just multiply for generations and generations. And that it wouldn't stop with them, but it would carry from generation to generation until Jesus comes back. Family, because of your obedience to the Lord and your abundant generosity to be a blessing to others, we get to provide Bibles to every child in this community. To the children in our homes, to the children in our families, to the children around our tables, to the children who come to be part of what the Lord is doing in us and through us. And we want to provide every single child with a Bible of their very own. And our hope is that every child will have and know the Word of God for themselves that those who God has placed in our care, in our homes, around our tables, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, they wouldn't have to wonder who they are. They wouldn't have to wonder where they come from. They wouldn't have to even, even question where they will end up. They will know because of his word, because of his promise, that he alone is God, that he is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, and he remains faithful forever. Amen. Revive us so we can call on your name once more, Lord. That's the kind of revival I long for, church, and I pray that 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 is your heart as well. I got invited to be part of a back-to-school event this upcoming week where local pastors here in the community, we get to pray over the upcoming school year, and what an opportunity, what an amazing privilege that is, and we get to pray over leaders and administration, over teachers and staff, over families, over students, and it is just such a blessing to be part of that, and as much as I want them to have a great year, as much as I want this school year to just be amazing, for them to be able to look back, whether they're administration, staff, teachers, or family, whoever, for them to be able to look back on this upcoming school year and say, that was a successful school year family, I am praying for more. I pray that there would be a great revival that would happen right here in this community where God has placed us. I pray 
for administrators, for staff, for teachers, for students, for families, that they, they themselves would experience a resurrecting power of the Holy Spirit that can deliver them from the grips of sin and turn them back to the Lord. Family pens, papers, glue sticks, tissues, backpacks, these are all needed. But family, what this community needs, what this valley needs, what this nation needs, and what this world needs is the message of death, burial, resurrection, and power of the Lord Jesus Christ and the cleansing, forgiving, and washing whiter than snow power of his precious blood that was shed for all of us. Amen. Revive us so we can call on your name once more. How bad do you want it? How much does it matter to you? Church, wake up. Revive us, Lord, so we can call on your name once more. It has to start right here. I've been to a couple weddings recently, and I got to lead one. I, I get to lead one coming up. And I find that at each one of these weddings, the thing that I have just been captivated by is the image of the bride and groom seeing each other for the very first time. That very moment where, where both of them lock eyes with each other. And if he's smart, the groom will be intently waiting, right, at the, at the bottom of the aisleway there. His eyes locked on the door that his bride will enter through. And when the door opens at that moment, it's, it's that, that moment. His gaze is set upon her. He's captivated by her beauty. He's overcome with so much joy. And you do this thing when you're, when you're standing in the crowd or, or you get to be part of a wedding. You, you look at the bride as she's coming down and you look back at the groom. And you look at the bride and you look back at the groom and you, you see how they are just fixated on each other. And family, that's the picture. Jesus, our Lord, our rescuer, the one who paid it all for us is coming back. His church, us, you listening to this right now, you who are part of a house church right now, we need to be ready. Our, 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 our Jesus is coming back. The groom is coming back for his bride. Are we going to be ready? Revive us so we can call on your name once more, Lord. And it has to start right here. Family, don't miss that text today that says, yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord. Crowds of both men and women. And I want to ask you, is this what you desire? Do you believe that God is able to do this and, and could, could be possible in your life today? Is this what you're praying for? What are the things that are distracting you? What, is, what are the things that are fighting for your attention? What could possibly be more important than this? What is it today? What is it that you're holding on to that you just won't trust him with? What is it today that you have just idolized, that you are putting in his place? Would you turn from that thing and turn back to him? Would you open your heart? Would you open your ears to the things that he's showing you, to the things that he is speaking to you? And would you take a step towards him? Would you turn from those things? And would you trust him? Revive us, O Lord, so that we can call on your name once more. Almighty God, Lord, there's none like you holy, set apart. And God, you didn't even hold back your one and only son. God, you love us so much that you gave your one and only son. God, from the beginning, you desired for your creation to be with you, to be in this intimate fellowship, and you made a way. And God, you've left us here with a purpose to be your hands and feet, to be light in the darkness. And God, we just desire for more and more as we, 
as we look at this text today, it says more and more came to you. More and more believed. God, we desire that here. We desire that now in our lives. God, may it start with us. What is it in my my heart? What is it in my life, God, that doesn't look like you that I need to turn from? God, may it start right here in us. More and more, may we trust you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.